Grace to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, as pretty obviously hinted at in the children's message this morning, chief question for the day, how should we as Christians think about money? Is having too much money frowned upon in the church? Is it more pious to be frugal, modest in our means? I was told recently that in some cultures it is expected for the pastor to have an expensive car. He'll be held in higher regard because of it. And still in other Christian environments favor a more humble appearance for their spiritual leaders. Is there a right or a wrong here? What about tithes and offerings? How much should you give? How much should I give for the work of the Lord here in this place, in our district, in our synod, throughout the world? Is 10% enough? But what if what we give stretches our resources too thin? Then what? Where does faith come into all of our thoughts on money? Do questions about money in church make you uncomfortable? Do not fear, I enjoy asking them just as little as you enjoy hearing them. But why is that? When do we get the most defensive, protective, passionate about certain subjects? It usually has to do with those things that have the most value to us. Do not say a negative word about a person's family, or that mama or papa bear reaction will make an appearance. Watch what you say about another person's favorite baseball team, especially in this town, especially if you do not know each other well or have a strong bond. Heated exchanges are likely to follow. Religion, politics, ethical positions in society are often viewed as taboo subjects in polite conversation. It's not polite to ask a woman her age or any person how much money they make. These topics hit close to the heart. Those things that creep ever close to the status of God's in our lives. The Lord Jesus continued His address to the crowds with the focus of wealth and possessions not far from the forefront of His teachings. Earlier in Luke 14, Jesus had said, Any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. At the conclusion of the parable of the lost sheep, The man gathers his friends and his neighbors together for a big celebration that he had found what was lost. The woman who found her coin invites over her friends and neighbors to celebrate, spending great expense for the sake of one small coin. And the kicker, the father of the prodigal son, that story that we have recently skipped over because it has appeared earlier this year in our lectionary series, that father killed a fatted calf, 
sparing no expense in celebrating the return of his foolish and selfish son who had squandered his inheritance. Jesus certainly presents the idea of wealth in a way that is silly, ridiculous to the eyes of the world. Disciples of Jesus are to give up everything to follow Him. And the authority figure in each of those lost parables spends wealth with little discretion. Now, zeroing in on His own disciples, the Lord Jesus continues with one of the most controversial parables in His arsenal. Our Gospel text for today. It is the parable of the dishonest manager as the subheading has it. But there again, our titles in English usually get us into trouble right away, steering us down a path of a skewed interpretation. The focus being on the dishonest manager. And that title's guidance adds to the struggle of Jesus' statement later on regarding the dishonest manager. The Master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. The Master gave praise to the steward for his dishonest tactic. That does not sound like something our God, good and gracious that He is, would approve of. And yet, the Master's behavior falls right in line with that of the authorities in those other parables, especially with that of the father of the prodigal son. You see, the Master's commending of the dishonest manager's behavior is a sign of the Master's mercy. Finding a lost sheep, a lost coin, a lost son did not deserve such a lavish party for all of them. The dishonest manager certainly did not deserve the master's grace, but he trusted it. The master's grace was the reason that the steward reduced the debts of his master's debtors rather than the debtors default on their loans and the master get nothing. The manager was able to work it out so that all would benefit. And all because of the mercy of that master. The two sentences in Luke 16, verse 8 are rightly understood as one whole statement. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness because the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. So how are we, as Christians, sons of light, to think about money and wealth in this world? The answer is in this parable. Jesus ends today's text by saying, No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. But every one of our pitfalls with money, with wealth, is because we view it as something to serve. It 
drives us. And it determines our outlook, our attitude, our happiness, our contentment in this life. But money is part of God's creation. It is the love of money that is the root of all kinds of evil. Not money itself. God made man in His image, placed man as the pinnacle of His creation. All else is to be in service to mankind, including money. Money is meant for your benefit, to be used by you, not the other way around. That is how we should view money as Christians in this life. But it is not a reality, is it? As sinners, we cannot serve both God and money. As sinners, in and of ourselves, we serve money and all of its underlings. Naturally, though, as baptized Christians, when we hear Jesus' words, you cannot serve God and money, we know what is the right answer, the right thing to serve. And so the Spirit within us drives us to want to serve God alone. That old Adam wins out every time. We are supposed to love God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. But we do not. We are supposed to have no other gods before the one true God. But we do. We cannot serve God and Money. We cannot serve God at all as sinners in this life, not as the tainted and corrupt human beings that we are. You and I are much like that dishonest manager. A reckoning is coming. Judgment Day will arrive, and it will be well known that we have wasted our Master's possessions. You and I have not used God's gifts to the best of our ability. You cannot stomach the idea of selling all that you have and giving everything to the poor. Neither can I. You cannot handle giving up everything in order to follow Jesus. You cannot serve God perfectly as He demands, nor in any way that is good and right. You cannot, but Jesus does. Once again, you and I are brought to our knees before God. We are at His mercy, like that of the dishonest manager. We can offer nothing good to God, not even our lives, our souls. They're all as filthy rags. They're useless to sway God from His just wrath over our sin. But then in steps Jesus, Holy One of God, perfect, righteous, blameless in His sight, pleasing, beyond all compare before God. And He offers up everything, everything of Himself to God the Father for your sake, for mine. He gives up His life as God in the flesh, to God the Father, 
pleasing sacrifice to Him alone. The Lord Jesus Himself, God's treasured possession, is the payment for our sin that does truly sway the Father from His just wrath. Jesus emptied Himself, took on the form of a servant, our own human flesh, so that He could give all things to us, to all people. Jesus is the reason for God's mercy to us and to all sinners. God shows His mercy to you, gives you grace because of His Son, because of Jesus, because He loves you enough to send His own Son to be our Savior in this world. And you see that. You witness that. You know that to be true because of the cross of Christ Jesus and Him crucified. And because of Jesus, your Master, God the Father in heaven, will commend you. And He will receive you into the eternal dwellings to be with Jesus forever and to serve Him alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. The peace that does pass all human understanding, guard and keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.